This is Twa Teams, one street from the Evening Telegraph, the only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week it's good lad Tam as Courts leads United back to Europe. And after dropping down again, it'll be McGee Free D. Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of Twa Teams. I'm Tom Duffy. Podcasting with me today are smiling up Alan um, 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 smiling Alan Temple. He was always smiling until I couldn't pronounce his name. I'm not I'm even smiling even more <laughs> watching you try to pronounce it. Uh hello everyone. Double Doon George Cran. <laughs> Thanks very much. Hello. And we've taken away his shoelaces and belt, Graham Finnan. Yep. Uh, hello everyone. Feels like we should have some sombre background music or something on That's today, exactly what yeah. I was thinking. <sighs> Our producer Morvan could have yeah, added the just, funeral mar- yeah. march to a wide array of sound effects <laughs> that were involved, but we don't actually use because I can never remember which one's which. George, the dear Dune, mm-hmm. it's not a shock. And maybe what's most worrying, people, fans like me and Alda Bear here, we're not even that upset. We're just sort of shrugging and going, oh. Here we go again. Can I kind of used to hold your start again? How it record eight times, yeah. And yeah, it's been coming for a while. I much. think I think I said as far back as October it was coming. <laughs> Don't like to gloat about bad news. <laughs> well, I do actually. Yeah, and in the most Dundee fashion, they did it by <laughs> winning a game of football. Um, it just kind of summed everything up in a weird, ironic backwards kind of way Tuesday's 3-1 against Hibs made me think of a saying I'm quite fond of that's about as much use as a chocolate teapot (laughs) and so it proved when St Johnson beat Aberdeen to confirm Dundee's fate yeah I'm I'm disappointed in St Johnson they could have at least lost (laughs) and kept the exciting to the last day I have to say but um, fair play to them for getting out of trouble but it's been two really poor teams fighting out at the bottom Uh, We've talked about Dundee's flaws constantly, conceding soft goals. They did that again on, on Tuesday, but they managed to end with a, with a bit of a rousing victory that the fans enjoyed on the night, but I think pretty much everyone leaving Dens kind of knew that it was too little, too late. Um, and now they have to put the pieces together and figure out what they're going to do next. But at least they've got... Um Plenty of practice putting the pieces together. (laughs) (laughs) But um, they're a bit like Humpty Dumpty. They don't seem to put it back together again. Um, Yeah, 12 months ago, Tom, everything was rosy in the garden. They'd made a fantastic run in the championship to get themselves into into a position where they had to take on the the premiership team. And absolutely, thoroughly deserved to be promoted with two great victories against Kilmarnock. And, And you hope that, you know... While it was sort of maybe unexpected that they actually got themselves up there, you hoped that they would put together a squad that was capable of staying in the league. And I think so that's it was a, wait, the see, Did the alarm bells actually start ring, ringing before a ball was kicked? Because no offence to the players, because they did their mm-hmm. best, as they did last season to get them up. But, but the lack of Premier League quality signings over the summer yeah, was I, a worry. Because they needed players. I think so. I think possibly, and, and maybe maybe rightly so, James McPake showed great faith in in the players that had, that had taken him to. What do you mean rightly so? They got relegated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about last, last July, July and August. Um, showed faith in, in those players, but he did have to supplement that with a few more real quality players. And unfortunately, um, it didn't materialise. Uh, I think at the start of the season, you looked at Dundee and they weren't far away. I think they looked much of a muchness. A lot of the teams do at that stage. I think a worrying aspect was around about Christmas time when they suffered a bad defeat. Well, obviously, the, the loss to Ross County, I think, was should have been a, the start of the land bells ringing at Dens when they went down 5 nothing to a team who couldn't buy a win. Um, and then they went up to Dingwall just before Christmas and, and lost the game up there as well, which allowed Ross County to cut the gap to two. And Ross County, after that, never really looked back. And I think it was a case then that they should have moved very quickly or they should have been in there by this point in time 
their striker, their big striker, Chilean Sheridan, um, who we didn't see much of, it has to be said, but he did bring something a bit different to the side. He brought a bit of weight up front. And also the, the, their main player, uh, uh, Lee Ashcroft at the back, had been injured and was, you know, obviously going to be out for some time. As, as it proved, he, he hardly kicked another ball. Um, so what they needed in the transfer window was an experienced centre-half and a centre-forward with some weight to add some beef to the forward line. And none of those two were forthcoming. Obviously, they tried to get Ricky Alami from Morwell. That didn't happen. They tried to bring in the guy Rossi, who eventually got in very late in the transfer window, but never really... And then it didn't happen. Yeah, never <laughs> really fitted the bill for what they were looking for. And I think Dundee, while there wasn't much between the teams, I think Dundee actually got poorer as the season progressed. And they never had the squad there. There was an imbalance in the squad. Certain areas weren't covered. The left-back slot wasn't covered when Jordan Marshall was injured. And the squad looked lightweight in terms of numbers, but also lightweight in, in terms of physicality. And you need that through winter in the Premier League. You need to go out and grind out points in certain games. And they weren't able to do that. And they found themselves chasing their tail. Um, and, you know, as you say, I think you, you didn't expect Dundee to beat Hibs, but you always thought it was a likelihood that it was going to happen. Yeah, but that's how they the, do it. <laughs> at the same time, at the same time, you always felt St. Johnson were going to take something off at Aberdeen as well. I think you've got to you know, expect that sort of thing. Dundee were playing a Hibs side, a managerless Hibs side, a Hibs side who had nothing but really pride to play for. Similarly, mm. Aberdeen, although Jim Goodwin is, is, is you know, he's got, a, he's got a job on his hands. He would have liked to have get a, get a result, but they are now looking to next season, both those teams. Um, so, yeah, it's really, really disappointing, Tom, because I don't think they were that far away. And the points, you know, when you look at it, always when you relegate, the first thing you do is I've only picked up a point here and a point here. Yeah. Let those points slip like those. But it's all ifs and buts. I do think, having watched Dundee all season, I do think that they were the poorest team in the league and they, they deserve to go down. And it's now a case of, you know, regrouping. They've, they've got a lot of players there who I, I, I think obviously will move on. But at the same time, they've got a lot of players there that I think, um, you know, will put them in good stead for the championship. And we've seen the emergence. The game against Hibs, it showed one thing. It showed that there is a, a, a few players there that you know maybe are getting to the stage now where they were youngsters, but they are coming mm -hmm. through. The emergence, I, I, I've got to say, of Josh Mulligan. He was excellent. Outstanding. Yeah. Outstanding. He could have ha had a hat-trick yeah. at, at Premier League level. Um, he did do things up at Peterhead, but you always thought, well, that's a big difference playing at Peterhead to playing in the Premier League. But he's come on leaps and bounds in the last few games, so I would expect him to be a big player for Dundee next season. I think we saw things from Zach Rudden, which we hadn't seen at all. Mm -hmm. The little chop Hibs, was, was lovely. Yeah. He, he looked good playing through the middle. He did a lot of good things on the ball. Unfortunately, he didn't get his goal, but he looked as though he's got something in the lad early days, but hopefully he can be a part of it. You've got Max Anderson in there who's up and down. If he can get the consistency levels better, we'll have something. And obviously the merits of a goalkeeper as well, Tam and young Harry Sharp. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm talking about the young lads here who are coming through. That gives you hope always for the future. They need to supplement that. Obviously, they do have one or two senior players in there who can add to that, and there will be more coming in. But bitterly disappointing for the fans, Tom, because much of well, at the start of the season, we were still in lockdown and we weren't really getting into the game. We weren't able to celebrate the way we wanted promotion last season. And before you know it, we're back in that championship again. But as you see, it's more of resignation than sort of real shock, Tom, than anything else. Yeah, Alan, a phrase based bear. I'm making up. <laughs> Everyone says bear. Hey, bears. <laughs> Uh, Alan, a phrase Bear used a couple of times there was not far away and uh, with a few notable exceptions like Setlick away, Ross County uh, in the first game in particular, the results suggest that Dundee weren't far away but what was clear, uh, particularly with the injuries to Ashcroft and Sheridan, uh, was they, they needed to do something in the January window. And if you were in that unhappy position that some of us are in of being a Dundee fan, would that frustrate you more than anything that you could see where the team needed strengthening and that wasn't really done? Absolutely. And I think the problem with January windows are they are notoriously difficult to shop in. They're notoriously difficult to, if your squad needs rebuilding, to do that in January. You see that with a lot of struggling sides. Um, you know, you look at Dunfermline relegated from the Championship after having to rebuild an entire squad um, in the January window. It's a really, really difficult thing to do. That's why your summer recruitment is so important. And as you guys have touched upon, there maybe wasn't the... Um, that top level experience in the summer but then again 
I mean, we're all geniuses in hindsight. I still remember deadline day in the, in the January window when Lee Griffiths came in. And yeah. there was widespread fanfare. And everyone is now an absolute genius in hindsight. Everybody now knows that that was a dreadful decision and what a disastrous signing, blah 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 there weren't many people given that take when Lee Griffiths arrived on deadline day. It was the great homecoming. It was the man who was going to fire Dundee to safety and score key goals. And granted, there were still holes in the defence. Uh, you know, no one was no one was uh, sugarcoating that. But I think there was a degree of excitement after January window. So I think we sometimes need to be a little bit careful. It was August. August window, yeah. Yeah, pardon me, sorry. So, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's... It's very um, everything's a blur. I know <laughs> football in this city, particularly <laughs> particularly when it's Lee Griffiths. You find yourself uh, t- time is uh, just uh, a construct. <laughs> what crisis is it? You I don't know. go by date. <laughs> but so I, I guess that's uh, you know that's your your key issue, and even go back to you know Bear was talking about muscle there. Killian Sheridan was supposed to be that guy, and he gets a serious injury, and a lot went against Dundee and. As I say, I, I kind of agree that they've shown bright sparks in recent weeks, but at the same time, there's nothing that's more frustrating to football fans than being told that there's signs of progress, being told that mm. things are going okay while their team doesn't win football matches and yeah. gets relegated. So you're kind of loath to put too much of a bright spark in it. But what I would say is, and George touched on this in a, in a really good piece he's done for the, the website, is... I, I really do think they're... And the papers, I hope. <laughs> the papers, what are they? Aye. old Dane's still got a paper, son. There's a, there's a real backbone of a squad there that should be a very good championship side. I don't think it's dropping into a vintage championship at all. And given the players they've got there and, you know, some of the young players who a season in the championship for whom could be just, you know, just what the doctor ordered, I think Dundee could be looking to bounce straight back up, but they just need to get... Um, their structure right and you know uh, perhaps perhaps some key appointments so probably that's one to swing back to George with his uh, with his <laughs> Thursday morning exclusive well that's exactly what I was going to say we're now 12 and a half minutes into the podcast so hitting the website and the papers tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> and the papers sometime um, George has got news yeah it looks like um, Gordon Strachan is going to be Stepping forward in a more first team oriented role. <laughs> that might have he been got, ironic. He got the right one. <laughs> he got the, he's been mainly focused in his role as technical director in the academy and youth set up and getting that sorted out. But the club have decided that he's going to now effectively be a director of football. I don't know whether his exact title will change, but it'll be that kind of role. He'll be taking on that and appointing a head coach or maybe keeping the head coach we don't know at the moment um, Mark McGee's contract is ending um, and he's going yeah, I mean hmm. I don't know how they could ever sell it if, if they're keeping him so I, I think if they want to sell season tickets I'm keep, hearing he's going yeah it's, it's very likely but he is good friends with Gordon Strachan so you can't forget that um, and as good friends Gordon Strachan will surely say it's no word one win mm-hmm. mathematically before relegation. Well, there's no Mark McGill know himself no. that he, you oh, can't yeah, you can't expect a, a short term contract to become a long term contract. It's an audition usually, isn't it? And then, yeah, he's he's not past that audition. He could he needs he actually needs to win on Sunday to avoid taking Jim McIntyre's mantle. As Will Dundee's he be there on Sunday? Well, we'll have to wait and see on that one. Um, there's there's rumours that he won't be. There's rumours that, that he may will. well be. So, but guys, if you throw this open to the floor, if you know you're going, do you just not want to go? If it's over, it's over. I, that's I, what happened with Jim McIntyre, I think, wasn't it? The, I, James McPake took the, the last, last game. I think game. Jim McIntyre could have taken the last game if he really wanted to, but obviously he just said no. You would you would understand Bear. Mm-hmm. Mark McGee, who whose record's not good, but to be fair, he inherited a squad, God love them, that wasn't good enough. Yeah. So no one's really surprised. He maybe could have done a wee bit better. Uh, but will he want to take the game on Sunday? 
No, I, I don't At think so. I don't think so. I mean, if he gets asked to do it, he might do it. But, you know, I don't think there's any need for that, Tam. It's going beyond that. I mean, Matt McGee, Matt McGee knew this, the score right from the, the outset, you know, and, and it was to keep Dundee in that league. And he hasn't he hasn't managed to do that. And he's only managed to win one game. And unfortunately, it's, it's come in the second last game. And it had been better if it had been in the, in the second game in charge. We might have had a, an opportunity. But no, I, I think the time has come. Hopefully somebody will step in and they will... You know, cut ties, as you say. I think he's come across quite well. I think at times he's come across quite outrageous as some of the things that he's actually actually said. But I think that was that was done in a bid to deflect the, the pressure from the players in a pressurised situation. I think he tried to put all the pressure on him, which was admirable. Um, we haven't seen much of Simon Rusk, obviously. I think Mark McGee's taken the heat for that as well. So... I think Mark McGee knows what the game's all about. I doubt we'll see him at Livingston on Sunday. I think he's had a stint at Denz. The, the other aspect of it is that he wants to hit his thousandth game as a manager. So you never know, he might just want to add one more number. I think he's maybe 10 or 14 short or something like that. So you never know. Which you never, never know. know. I mean, on a personal level, I mean, it would be nice for the man that he chalked up another game, but... Surely, be, like surely he gets a, another job. It's a business, not a charity. Yeah, surely if he gets another job, he'll be on 14 games. Yeah, I know, I know, <laughs> but you, you never know if, the way people think sometimes. But uh, yeah, And perhaps more importantly, who's going to be the head coach? Well, that's the big question. Um, understand it's not going to be Jack Ross, although the fans, would very, much like, the, yeah. the fans would very much like that. I, Is that, George, because Dundee have decided... He's had his chance to accept the job and they're not going back to him. Uh, it'd be really great if they tried to push yeah. that message, wouldn't it? Yeah. Good grief. Um, Gordon Strachan thing fascinates me, George, because when he came to the club, we thought that he was what, going yeah. to be more high profile than he's actually turned yeah. out to be. And he himself has said, you know, I'm going to take a backward seat. It's going to be more academy stuff that he's going to be looking at. And while you've seen him around Dens and we've seen him at Dens during the games, when it comes to actually being vocal and, and putting his head above the parapet, he hasn't mm -hmm. actually done that. So for him to be appointed as director of football, that means he's now going to take a more proactive role in the actual first-team squad, obviously. And, yeah, he's going to be in charge of everything, yeah, basically. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So he's going to have to be more... Now, I don't know how well that will go down with the fans, to be perfectly honest. That could be another, another issue, but it's an interesting one that he, at this stage, has prepared then, OK, I'll come in and do that sort mm -hmm. of job. But in terms of... If you were to pick somebody with a Dundee connection with the sort of experience that you would like in a position like that, then there's not many more experienced that have been around the block more than Gordon Strachan and been successful as well. So, And of course, the key appointment is going to be, if Mark McGee, which looks likely, is going to leave, who is going to be the next manager? Mm. That is going to be, you know, that's his top, top Yeah task straight away as top objective is to appoint the right manager who's going to turn us around as Alan says it's not a vintage championship there are going to be tough teams Dundee are going to be the big fish and we know how that can be a, a weight in itself you know but you are going to be in a championship with possibly three part-time clubs and an unrecognised big club in there I've got to say that person Johnson won't go part-time <laughs> <laughs> but you do have you do have others in there who can make a fist of it you know mm. you've got Dougie Emery at Morton who picked them up towards the end of the yeah. season you've got the Harry Rags if, if Ian McCall gets him going yeah, again Ian McCall Inverness, yeah. Inverness where you struggle to buy a win Dundee at times so you need the manager that's going to you know there is an opportunity there but they've, they've got to pick the right man to yeah. bring it all together. And hopefully, George, it's got to be somebody that comes in very, very quickly. Well, yeah, I think the decision will will be made fairly quickly after, yeah, well, maybe in the it, next week or so. months until the first League Cup game. Uh, exactly. I mean, um, but give or take a few days. My understanding is uh, Strachan has, has already been kind of doing this role for the past few weeks and has already got stuff in place for looking at recruitment over the summer. So there's, there's things that have already happened in the background, um, I know we're yeah. I know we're dealing in kind of hypotheticals at the moment regarding the the head coach. But do we think that with Gordon Strachan taking on so much more of a kind of forthright role, that opens up the window for potentially a a more inexperienced head coach, given the vast amount of experience that Gordon Strachan's got? Possibly, but John Nelms will, will still be he won't be making that decision, but he'll still be involved. He may have been burnt. By going with the James McPake yeah. because of an experienced coach. Um, he surely has the trust. He just has to go with football. Yeah, I would think so. Which it looks like it'll be Gordon Strachan. And Alan, as Bear says, there are there are fans more than a few. I don't. I wouldn't 
suggest it's a majority, but there are fans who think Strachan should be going as well because of Mark McGee. Now, it's probably harsh. Certainly won't bother Gordon Strachan too much. He's that type of character. But what might be more difficult for Gordon Strachan is taking that, as Bear says, taking that step closer to the first team for a start. He's a good manager. Hmm. And it might be a learning process for him. Uh, it's, he wanted to take a back seat from first team duties. Easier to do as technical director because he was dealing with a long-term future, producing players, and, and they have certainly brought on a few who might already have been there as kids, but they've developed them into clearly guys with first team potential. But it's something that he'll have to learn when to say to the manager or the head coach, that's good, that's not good. The one thing that goes with that is with Gordon Strachan being such a strong-headed, vastly experienced and successful manager as he would probably know exactly what he would have hated were he a manager. Yeah. So <laughs> you would think that that will hopefully be in his mind when he thinks about what he should be interjecting with, what he should be suggesting. Gordon Strachan's been in the big chair before, so you would like to think he wouldn't do anything that would have really wound himself up when yeah. he was a manager. But then again, nobody knows what uh, what he's going to be like in that role until he takes it. And likewise, it is, it's so difficult to... And I, and I realise what you're saying about some Dundee fans maybe thinking Gordon should, should walk as well, but it's incredibly difficult to analyse Gordon Strachan's body of work with any... Uh, degree of thoroughness because we don't exactly know everything that he's been involved with in his time with Dundee. It's a, a structural overseeing role. There's a lot of academy work involved and some really good academy kids have come through at Dundee. So, you know, that would be a big, t you know, a box ticked for him. But this will be a, a new role that he can be judged with to far more of an extent. We'll have far more an idea what he is responsible for and what he's bringing to the table. I, I think it's very difficult to say Strachan should go because we don't exactly know what he's been responsible for and what he's not been responsible for. We can surmise, but we don't know for a fact. Now, with the change that's coming, the the buck maybe not stops with Gordon Strachan, but there is a lot more responsibility and with that, a lot more pressure and a lot more scrutiny coming on his shoulders. I mean, is that a key point, George, that we all need to remember that the buck almost certainly right now doesn't stop with Gordon mm. Strachan because he was asked to help out in a something that wasn't his role, with something that wasn't his role. So really, be a wee bit harsh maybe right now to go, oh, blame him, it's his fault. Because the first team wasn't his responsibility. And it's like a no-win situation for him because there was a period where folk were saying, why is he not getting more involved? And, <laughs> yeah, and then they asked him to get more yeah. involved. He's helped him out. And folk were saying, oh, he, he came up with Mark McGee. Well, maybe he had two days to come up with, or a day to come up mm. with a name and said, oh, I think experience is your best bet. Here's a man that's available. You're not want to spend big compensation on a manager and a job when you're only appointing someone in the short term. So if he is indeed director of football, which I have no reason to doubt you whatsoever, that's when you judge, you judge him in terms of how the first team's doing from then on. Yeah, I would say so. I thought he is tainted by the the way the Mark McGee appointment has gone, evidently had a big part in that and advised well, John Elms. said so, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He did. Um, and I think Alan's absolutely right in what he says. That what there has to be is a clear definition of what the role of head coach and director of football is. Previously, Strachan's been kind of in the background and not had anything to do with the first team unless the manager effectively phoned him up, which James McPick did quite often and to take advice on and things like that. I would imagine the head coach just deals with all the things to do with training and everything with the players and Strachan deals with the head coach but recruitment's side of things as well and takes all that pressure off the manager because that's the yeah. situation Dundee have had for so long is uh -huh. the manager does everything basically uh -huh. in the old school way. This is the new setup where they don't really have to think about 
bringing players in and dealing with agents and all that sort of stuff. They'll have input, but Strachan will be in charge of that. I was just going to say there, we've spent a long time speaking about the director of football, probably Gordon Strachan, but whoever the director of football is, does it still remain the fact that the big decision is head coach? Because one of the things that strikes me from working in the game for quite a long time is if you get the right head coach, he goes. If if he trusts the director of football or a director or the tea lady for that matter, he'll go to them and say, I'm, I'm in a bit of a quandary here. What do you think? Mm-hmm. And invite opinions. And that, And if you've got a head coach that does that, it makes the director of football's job. Mm a lot easier because if the approach comes from the guy who's picking the team, you're not interfering. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they'll have to work hand in hand. That, that, that goes without saying. And you just wonder where Gordon Strachan, that'll be a very interesting appointment. I mean, you think he's going to pick someone he actually knows. Is he going to go left field and pick an untried coach and maybe go down the, the rookie line again? I mean, we just... He, just he, he might fancy that challenge of- yeah, basically building up a new manager, and, you never and, know. And, and building a relationship, yeah. of, of course, but it is, it is a, a huge gamble um, in terms of, you know, where Dundee are hoping to be in 12 months' time. But uh, it's, I think Strachan is burdened by the fact that there's no doubt that he played a role in the Mark McGee appointment and fans will rightly point the finger at mm-hmm. him for that. And so say, he has well, to get the next one absolutely well, spot on, doesn't he? Yeah, and, and hopefully fans will give him, uh, give him a chance at that. But you can see why fans would maybe, why should he get the opportunity to do that when he, he picked McGee and he's actually hasn't made one eye of difference, some mm. fans would say. So, yeah, very interesting appointment and a very important appointment at the same time. Is there also a, a thing here? I mean, don't get me wrong, a lot of times... In, my football life, when I was speaking to managers and directors and stuff like that, my opinion was, the fans aren't happy, they're not going to be happy, but you've got to do what you think's right. You've got to act with your brain, not your heart. But then this time they need to listen to the fans. Did it, do you think Dundee appreciate? I mean, I, I was joking about it at the start, but the truth is, like no other relegation, this has been received with a degree of apathy and that maybe kills you mm. it's no it's no pleasant having guys outside 200 fans outside the front door protesting but at least they care I, I know I mean I I've got a mate who in, for a few years recently bought a season ticket I texted him when Dundee went one nil, nil up on Tuesday and he said his reply was oh god I forgot they were playing because people, maybe maybe it's an age group thing because we've been through it mm-hmm. so often. But there's certainly fans out there, and I must admit, in terms of going to games, I'm one of them. That I'm like, I've seen this all before. And I'm not, it's not fun. Mm-hmm. And that's, the bottom line is, I go, or if I go to games, it's because I want to enjoy myself. I don't enjoy it anymore. I still follow them. A lot of fans who've been through this time and time again are switching off, and that kills clubs. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that's. I, I I don't think they quite realise the extent of the problem. That's to answer the question you asked at the start there. I don't think John Elms particularly does, because um, there, there is still serious disillusionment uh, in the way that things are are run. Obviously, they're moving to change that. Hopefully it changes for the better, but they need to... Well, I mean, we touched on it last week, that Tim Keyes, nice man, brought stability, mm-hmm. came over and didn't speak. Dundee, which people will lay at John Nelms' door, they made a statement that would, would have been approved by him, and basically blamed the players. Well, yeah, the players didn't get results, but the manager signed the players, or the manager signed the players, mm-hmm. and the the chief executive appointed the manager. There's no I in team, <laughs> yeah. but there seems to be at Dundee. It wasn't me, it was them. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, it's we're all suffering today because Dundee have been reality again. And there is a bit of apathy about that, but what the club need to realise, they need to sell season tickets. Uh-huh. Yeah. So they need yeah. to start beating to excite this, the fans. They need to turn this around very quickly. They need to appoint a, a new head coach and they need to start beating the drum big still. As you say, there have been good things going on at Dens in terms of the fans. We've seen... 
the emergence of a, a young fan base who They've are, who are, who are yeah, making a bit of noise and it's yeah. great to see I must admit I must admit I'm, I, I was never a fan of the drum but I was I'm more a fan of a Dundee supporting drummer, you know what I'm saying, George. <laughs> At least we've got our own drummers now. But it's great to see there's a lot of young youngsters, maybe between 12 and 18, and it's a swelling number. Hmm. Now, Dundee, as a club, need to beat the drum and get, this, get their heads I around this. did there. I thought that was good. They need to beat the drum and get their, head, <laughs> get their heads around this, you know, selling season ticket and getting a new manager in place and getting everyone behind them for starting the season on a high. You know, yeah. we, we'll have a couple, a, a week or so, sort of mourning, and you move on. That's what happens in football. The, 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 we can't have silence from the club. We need noise. We need we need everybody pulling in the same direction, and it has to happen very quickly. Great stuff, chaps. After this, Alan's going to Europe. Right. Hey, hey, Alan. It's a beautiful. <laughs> 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 Don't sing, you know I can't possibly follow you singing, Tam. It's impossible. Did, did, did that count as singing? I'm quite pleased. I was crooning. <laughs> Tell us all about United. Europe, here they come. Absolutely, and it's a fabulous achievement. You know, it's you think back to the start of this season and there was plenty of people that predicted that Tam Courts wouldn't last until Christmas. There was plenty of people that even tipped Dundee United to be in a relegation battle. I've, I remember the predictions, I remember the papers. It was uh, So that sense of perspective should run through everything that Dundee United have achieved this season. And they did it with some style um, last night, as we're recording, you know, Wednesday evening. It was, that second half was... Uh, stirring, it was exciting, they were on the front foot against the champions of Scotland and in the end, if one team was going to nick it, you fancied Dundee United were going to be the team that nicked it. Yes, did they, did they um, cleverly avoid a potential riot by heading wide from two yards? <laughs> <laughs> I thought, there's a, there's a prudent miss. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, but if, you know, if it had a, you know, rippled the net, it would have been no... Uh, no more than Dundee United deserved. They were really excellent against Celtic and Tam Quartz deserves immense credit for the job he's done. He's had challenges to overcome. The injury list, particularly in central midfield, is something we've touched upon before. You know, Not many teams can, out with Rangers and Celtic, can lose a couple of starters like Ian Harks and Peter Paul in the exact same position of the pitch that occupy the exact same role and still find a way to grind out results, still find a way to to pick up points. Everybody knows they need to be a little bit more sparkling, they need to be a little bit more um, intrepid going forward next season, but there were signs, even last night, there were signs that they can play in that way, they can play with a high tempo and front foot football. There were signs at the beginning of the season when they started so well that they can play that way. So there's every reason to be excited about when Tam Courts and Tony Askar get their new batch of signings in, um, what they can perhaps achieve. I just, uh, to, to echo some of the praise we've given in, in, in recent weeks, I would just hope that Dylan Levitt is one of those signings because uh, he's just a very special footballer and it would be a real... Even having a player of the year, I mean, well, well done to a lot of players at United this season, but why bother wasting paper on a player <laughs> of the year vote at Tannadice? He genuinely could have his own goal of the season competition, just his goals. <laughs> all six of his goals have been absolute peaches and all in you know in, in slightly different ways as well. So um, I think you know Liam Smith's rasper against Hearts would probably have a shout. But beyond that, I mean, it is pretty There's much... There's a sporting poster. <laughs> it is, it Was is... it a peach bear? <laughs> it's a rasper. <laughs> But yeah, so it's, uh, you know, Dylan Levitt's really important. Um, I thought, you know, uh, Archie Meekison was excellent, particularly in the first half again. Rory McLeod, 16 years old, rattling the base of the post and hurrying and harrying Callum McGregor all day long was was terrific. Uh, Ryan Edwards, you know, marshalling <laughs> Liam Smith and, um, you know, Scott McMahon, either side of him, not guys that you would naturally think of as uh, centre-halves, uh, was was terrific again. So, you know, that's another reason why you've got to kind of doff your cap to Tam Courts is he rolled the dice with that team selection. If they had been battered and, um, in fact, just if they'd been battered, uh, Ross, County, times, yeah, Ross County would be facing them on Saturday knowing that you know there would be just three points behind between the sides and they could still 
knock United out of a European place. So Tamcourt's gambled that not only could he rest a couple of players, but still get a vital point, and it's absolutely paid dividends. So it's another big call from a manager in his first season, and you know we can pick the bones out of performances. You can pick the bones out of... I mean, they're still a minority. They just didn't want him appointed in the first place, and it seems like you can't change their mind. But in terms of ticking off milestones as this season goes on, he's ticked off every single one. And if they better Motherwell's result, and bear in mind Motherwell go to Celtic on Saturday, then a fourth place finish is theirs. And given how good hearts have been this season, I think it's fair to say that is the best league season Dundee United could possibly have had this season and I just I think you're being churlish if you're still in the, this courts out campaign churlish uh, is my middle name <laughs> yeah churl away Tam <laughs> no, but actually to, to go against my middle name Bert it seems bizarre to you and I looking across the road <laughs> from what we've endured again but there, are, there has been a degree of disenchantment amongst a section of yeah. the United support and well, as Alan says, and as Tom Courts has said, you can see where United will want to improve. Could you ask of more from any manager in only their second season back? Never mind a rookie manager. I don't think so, Tom. It's hard to point the finger at Tom Courts at all for what, what he's achieved. As Alan says, outside the old firm and hearts, if he takes him in a fourth spot, it's quite remarkable for, for a rookie boss to do that. He's Certainly his employers, he's ticked all the boxes, they've asked him, he's, he's brought through young players by the bucket load and he's still managed to get results. I mean, we saw that game, I mean, they were obviously disappointed at the weekend at Ibrox and there was, again, you saw on social media how, how quick a few of the native fans were to, to sort of turn on Tam Courts effectively yeah. and say, this, we should be better than this. And I've said this before on the podcast, Rangers and Celtic are effectively moving away from Scottish football because of the, the squads they've got, the size of the squad. They've effectively got two first teams good enough to win that league. Yeah, and you to know, digress a wee yeah. bit, we've got, I mean, one thing, I, I hate the old term dominance, but at least for this season, for the first time in a long time, it was genuinely old firm dominance. It yeah. wasn't one of them. There, no. There's two decent there teams mm. at Ibrox there is. Park. And we saw, we saw last night, certainly first half, Celtic just, just keeping the ball for fun. And then to be fair to Tam Courts, at half time he, he, he changed it. Basically what he did was he moved everybody, the whole formation whether it was a 4-5-1 or a 3-6-1 I think, he moved them 10 yards further up the park and actually started engaging Celtic far further up the park. And then he made a couple of changes as well. He brought in Mulgrew and Watt. And suddenly, United looked like a team, you know, that, that could do something. They got their goal. They thoroughly deserved to get their goal. What a strike it was. I don't know why, I tell you this, I don't know why Joe Hart's actually diving for it because I think it's almost <laughs> beyond him before he stretches out an arm because it moves in the air and everything. What a strike. And United looked like they could have actually gone on and won that game, the way things stood. But if you had a look, strangely, it's the first time I've seen this season from Celtic. I got to a point where Carl McGregor actually went round the back four and the Celtic team says, look, we don't have to win this game. A draw is fine, just keep possession. And the back four for the last five to ten minutes, actually, instead of trying to press, they, they were knocking balls across yep. and, and without actually pressing, they, they realised it made me laugh at injury time a boy a boy who's like uh, I think he's a terrific player he's been a great captain a difficult job taking over from Scott Brown but I saw him in injury time urging them being aware of the Celtic way urging them to pass uh -huh. the ball forward would pass the ball forward pass the ball somebody made the mistake of passing the ball to him he passed it right back <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 only kidding boys you know I, I think it's one of the few games I've seen Celtic being quite happy to sit on it uh, and draw yeah. because normally they, they do and that's why they get so many late goals they press right until the, the final whistle blows but that's credit to Dundee United because they realised if they did that United were more than capable of going up and actually maybe spoiling the party last night so but over in terms of United Tam, it's been a, it's been a fantastic season, and, and you know I don't know what, what more Tam Courts can do. Surely his employers are, are quite happy the way things have gone. You know we've seen a, a, a player sold down south for what, what could eventually be two million. He's brought through another half. And a it dozen. didn't hurt the first no, team because no. he he'd only made a few appearances. Yep, he's brought through another half a dozen or so who are now they don't look out of place in that team, and I'm sure it'll be the same again next season. He's got a grasp of what's going on in, 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 in the academy. 
I think he, he's reaped the benefits from that. And I think he sets out a plan. I think he's a thinking manager. Right from the start of the season, he's got a list of all these young lads, Tom. And he goes, right, this is where your development goes and you will get an opportunity in that first team. Somewhere down the line, I'm not going to balk on that. Regardless of the situation, as, as Alan said last night, if they had lost last night, that was a real pressure situation going up to, to, to count you on, on Saturday. But as it stands, they have got that European spot. And hopefully they can get a result now on Saturday and, and, and get the fourth one, which would benefit them for, for a later start. Yeah, George, other than summing up with one word, envy, as you look across <laughs> yeah. at Tam Court's performance this year, I mean, something that interested me, you know, Bear said there, he's a man with a plan. And I always like it when the TV cameras cut away to the dugout. And strangely enough, I like it when I see a manager who I thinks thinking rather than ranting at the referee or at the linesman or the fourth official. And he, he seems to be a guy who he thinks about what's happening before the game, during mm -hmm. the game, what's happened once the game's over. And he's been a credit to himself, hasn't he? That's, I think he's, yeah, he's surprised a lot of people, I would say. Surprised myself, I'll admit that. Um, that was that, is, that was wishful thinking, wasn't it, George? <laughs> no, to be honest. coming in as a, a completely rookie manager, and, and yet oh, taking he, United he to Europe. Say he wasn't. No, and, and is yeah, that, is that at this level, it was okay. He, he was rookie at this level, but at least he dealt with adult players, albeit when Kelty Hearts were junior level. Is another big thing that rather than pluck someone who's garnering headlines for his work elsewhere. United promoted someone, and it was still a gamble, mm -hmm. but someone they'd seen work and someone they knew. Yeah, I think that's very much the the way United like to do their business these days. Um, I think that's quite, as you say there, Tom Course is, seems like a man with a plan. You could see that when these young players are coming into the team because they know exactly what they have to do in their jobs in the team they're not just getting chucked in and start playing it's all very clear what each role is and that comes from the head coach to be honest and, and, and his training and the way he sets up his team um, and we've spoken all season about their defensive solidity if I can even say that you've put my not teeth very in. solid <laughs> um, but that only comes from work on the training field and organization from the coaches and Tam Course as the head coach. Um and that tells you it's a good it's, it's a good setup behind the scenes. Obviously they need to add a, a bit more flair and a bit of attack and verve for for next season, but he's already said that's something he wants to do. And it's a good sign that he's also seen and making it clear to the fans that he he knows the areas that need improvement for for next season. Um but yet it's United are in a good place. It's it's kind of I don't know what that feels like. To, well, <laughs> just just to expand upon that that talk about Tam being a man with a plan. Speaking to him after the Motherwell game again, when it was an interesting team selection, he did make the point of saying, "I know some people might look at it and think it's a bit of a tombola," which um, did make me laugh because that's a, a, a in the kind of Dundee United Twitter uh, yeah. tombola. Tam has become a bit of a, a meme <laughs> almost, and I quite like that because it does show that not only is he aware of the criticism, he's not doesn't live in a cave. He's cognizant of what some critics will say, but he's also got a sense of humour about it. He can brush it off. And I think that's maybe a side of of Tam that Dundee United fans don't always see. Um, he is, you know, quite For a good... For those under 60, Tombola, that was something you used to get in the days of church fate. <laughs> well, I would say also, to, to Tam's credit, after the game, uh, you know, having qualified for Europe, immensely proud, uh, evidently. However, he also was really keen to emphasise, job's not done. It's up to Dingwall and it's to get that fourth place because that is not inconsequential to their planning for next season. It's If you're eliminated in the second qualifying round of the Europa Conference League compared to the third qualifying round for the Europa Conference League, I think, off the top of my head, I think it's something like €150,000 difference. It is a serious bit of money that that could count to, as well as the difference in prize money in the Premiership for finishing fourth compared to fifth. So, and that's before you take in the start dates, you know, late June, sorry, late July compared to early August. Huge difference to what Dundee United want to do in pre-season in terms of getting the boys sharp, getting them ready, get, make sure they're really ready for the, the upcoming challenges in Europe and domestically. So it's 
don't, you know, I'm Dundee United fans will love their trip up to Dun uh, to Dingwall. There's probably about 2,300 fans going up there. There'll be sombreros, there'll be beach balls, they'll be loving life, but at the same time, I the hope players... The pubs have got extra stops. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> Quite right, too, party time. Yep, it's, so it's... Uh, but the players on that pitch will know that they've got a job to do and will be going out there to, to finish the job. Um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a party atmosphere, but uh, a very much a work engagement. And if they can get the result they need to clinch fourth... Uh, it's been a few weeks since I've played the age card, boys, but I'm going to do it again. I always remember as a young reporter, Jim, being quite surprised, but when I thought about it, I got it. Jim McLean used to say, first, first priority for Dundee United, don't get relegated. That was an acceptable season, which he was obviously setting the bar very low, wise manager. But then he went on, he used to say, and, and if Dundee United finish anywhere in the top four, that's acceptable. And he qualified that by saying, even back in the days of their great team that could get win the league and get to European finals, if you compared the budgets elsewhere, if United finished fourth, it was a good season because other teams had much more money to spend. I mean, Jim used to sort of handcuff players to 10-year contracts and that, <laughs> so money wasn't everything. But it is. So if, the, if United finished fourth, what, what a tremendous season. That is, that is, um, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying that, but I'm ultimately surprised that the team that, well, I'm sick, <laughs> I'm sick, but I'm ultimately surprised at the team who could pip them for fourth spot. <laughs> no. yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely gobsmacked that Motherwell managed to get himself in there, and I, I don't mean that disrespectfully to Graham Alexander and his team, but every time I've seen them this season, they've, they've looked to me more like a bottom six side rather than a team that could finish in fourth, but. Fair play the steel men. They've obviously mm. they've obviously done well. There's a bit of steel there. The hand yeah, end, don't they? They've obviously done well when they've had to do well. They've stuck decent runs together. We've seen we've probably seen a snapshot of that in the in the final games. The six fixtures, you know. I think they started off with a defeat against United, and you think that's more well out of the equation. Then they go they go away to Ross County and get a, a dig in for a terrific one nothing one up there. We know how difficult it is to win in Dingwall, and then they follow that up with a 2-1 victory against Hearts and put themselves in the box seat. And they've probably done that all season over the, the course of running games. This is why they are there. But yeah, you're right that in, in terms of when you look at where you're finishing the league, if you're looking at teams that are sitting below you who have far substantial bigger budgets than you have, mm. then you have done well. So United, can, there's quite a number of teams, we could, we could name them, we don't have to, who are below United at this point in time. Similarly, from across the other side of the street, have you finished in the bottom slot and there's teams above you with far less budgets than you started off with, then you know that something's gone wrong somewhere. But that's that's the, that's the beauty of football. It doesn't all boil down to just how much cash you've actually got. It helps, but you've got to have the right sort of tools in place to use that cash and to use it wisely and to get results. It's also worth sometimes looking at the situation at a club from out with the fan base. Like, look at how other clubs sorry, other fans, other onlookers perceive what Dundee United are doing. And if you speak to anyone, they're mystified by any criticism that Tam Ports has received. They're utterly <laughs> yeah. mystified because, granted, it might not be champagne football. Is there much of that going around in Scottish football? And they are getting the results they need to have an excellent season. You look at the bold... Fabrizio Romano to saying that you know, <laughs> Tam Court's on Championship Club radars. If you yeah. go over to um, our website today and look at the paper tomorrow, you'll see that we've got the fact that Liam Fox, the Dundee United assistant manager, is uh, being interviewed this week for the Wraith Rovers vacancy. So that coaching team as a whole is um, enhancing its you know burgeoning reputation. And that goes to show that People from the outside of Tanadice are admiring the work that's been done, whether it's the, you know, just punching above their weight, whether it's the structure of the team, whether it's the bringing through the young players. There's a lot going there that, that ticks boxes. And I think there's a little bit of being baffled and mystified by from people that look inside uh, at Dundee United and say, you know what, that's been a, a pretty good season. And maybe credit to the whole coaching uh, regime at United just now, I mean, uh, maybe the best compliment you can give, if you're an English club Scottish scout and you don't know what game you'll go to this weekend, there's every chance you'll head for the game United are involved in because there'll be somebody there that's worth keeping an eye on. And I mean, they've introduced so many young players, haven't they? 
Well, they have. I mean, just just looking at the game against Celtic, there you had young Rory McLeod, sixteen. Now you got an idea in the first half what it's like to play against Celtic when he was on his own and he was having to chase back and forward and left and right and hardly got a kick of the ball. But we saw what he could do when he actually got on the ball. Time at sixteen, he almost grabbed an equaliser a couple of times. He did really yeah. well. He's got quick feet. He's got has always got a smart brain. I know he's always got a future. But they've also got uh, Chris Mochrey came on as well, you know, and there's umpteen others. Archie Mekison was playing. I heard it. I mean, he, he, his finish was lacking, but he had a bit of footwork on the edge. Ah, oh, yeah. He looks excellent. Yeah. Just, to, just to have the confidence to try that. And I, Alan, is it, a, is it a self-fulfilling prophecy, if you like, that Tam Courts at the start of the season told a couple of young boys, you're, you're good enough. You'll go in there and you'll pull your weight. So that when the next one and the next one and the next one got introduced, he doesn't even really need to have to say that because mm -hmm. he thinks, well, the, the kid coming in mm -hmm. thinks, well, I must be good enough because the manager has picked me. I think it also, it just acts as an inspiration, mm -hmm. doesn't it? Because how many youngsters have been told, oh, you'll probably get a chance, you'll get this, mm -hmm. you'll get that. And when it comes to crunch time, you rely on experience. The coach relies on experience because winning is all that matters. Whereas at Dundee United... If you're, you know, fifth down that line of youngsters that are going to get their debut, you've seen four make their bow before you, so you know that you're going to get that opportunity. So it doesn't only breed a, a confidence in your own ability, but it also just gives you that faith that you're going to get an opportunity. And also further down the line, as Dundee United look to become a club that manufactures top talent and doesn't lose talented youngsters uh, down to Glasgow, um, you know, even down to Edinburgh from this region, Parents will look at that and say, "Do you know what? There's a, a chance in yeah, you know four or five years yeah. that my my laddie could be playing for Dundee United. There's a route there. There's a path. There's a defined, you know, empirical pathway there into that first team that isn't just talk. Isn't just big talk and promises that aren't fulfilled. So, you know, not only are these young players doing you know very very well for themselves, but they bode well and they, they're a shining light for what Dundee United want to do in the future. And just to, to, to briefly expand upon what you were saying, I think Archie Mikasin absolutely looks like the real deal. I just His positional awareness, his little shimmies, the ball retention, the way that he wants to play forward through the lines. I just, yeah, he's 20 now. I think he's that's time for him to make his mark. And I think he's done that in the last few games. Even against Rangers on the few occasions Dundee United managed to get the ball, he looked tidy, he looked comfortable with it. And I would love to see whatever that makeup of uh, the midfield three, pre presuming it will be a midfield three next year at Dundee United, I would love to see Archie Mikasin in it with real regularity because he looks like maybe the one that's at this very moment in time uh, ready to kick on and be a first-team player <laughs> with regularity. Seems like they also go in... With very little pressure on them, or doesn't they play like there's very little pressure? They're a confident bunch, aren't yeah, they? I, yeah, I think that comes from because there's so many of them that they know that they're not only going to get one chance where they they're on the pitch and oh, I have to do it this time, and any mistakes, that's my chance gone. I, I think that seems to be totally taken away from from the Dundee United thinking that the players seem to come in and and. They're comfortable in this situation. They're not just chucked in. Sometimes it seems like they're just chucked in because we haven't seen their names before. But they don't seem to be scared at all of of then missing their chance. That seems to be not part of it at all because they're going to get another chance. I'd absolutely agree with that. And Tam Quartz has referenced several times what a, a forthright and confident group of kids this is. And it would be bizarre to think that that's some sort of bizarre generational confidence quirk that's just happened at Dundee United. That's something that's been given to them as they've emerged. So again, that's another reason that um, United should be very proud of this batch of young kids. And, you know, three or four might be become Dundee United regulars. Another couple might go down south before, you know, Dundee United fans have maybe got what they would have liked to see, you know, 50, 100 games out of them. But And some of them might drift down the leagues but still have fine careers. That's what youth production's all about. And I think this current batch, while they might not all become, you know, superstars in Tangerine, is, is a batch that United look like they can be, you know, or they will be really proud of in the fullness of time. Anyway, enough of this praise. Alan, when's Europe? When's the draw? When's the first game? <laughs> Tell me July. There's nothing, there's nothing dampens your enthusiasm than a June tie. So the champion, the 
Champions League first qualifying round is in the first week of June. <laughs> That's not good. Yeah, although I take it. <laughs> yeah, the the second qualifying round for the the Europa Conference League is, I think, off the top of my head, third week of uh, July. That's the one that Dundee United don't want to be in. That's uh, if they finish fifth. Uh, you, they, know, that, Alan, you know, you exactly know exactly where it is. <laughs> he knows, you know, he exactly. knows every team they can get. Whereas Bear and I are like, ha ha, that's a Dundee fortnight. <laughs> You've got Cole Rangers booked up already. <laughs> for, uh, United, United fans will be going, you know, the Dundee fortnight. Oh, I've already said we're going on holiday. The, the ideal the ideal start date will be August fourth uh, first uh, sorry August fourth I should say uh, for Dundee United that would be if they finish in the in fourth place and they're going in the third qualifying round for the Europa Conference League and that would also allow them uh, I think to get a really thorough preseason in you know f- few friendlies maybe even a wee sort of warm weather training camp all that sort of stuff really proper hard at it because Tam Courts made reference a few times this season to the fact that preseason was a it was manic. You know, there was a lot of attention around his appointment. He was signing players. There was players that wanted to leave the Lawrence Shanklin situation, things like that. There was a lot to deal with and he was trying to build a new team as well. He was trying to get his message across and effectively prove himself to a new dressing room because let's make no mistake, you, you know, you need to do that. Every manager does need to do that. So I think there's a real excitement this preseason about getting that little bit of extra time to properly cement what they want to do in the training ground and build a squad that's ready for the coming campaign and finishing fourth would give them a, a much bigger window to do that so yeah the the, the passports are uh, the passports are very much getting looked out for for united fans but there's a wee job to do first and you know what despite what many dundee fans may think it's good for the city well done tam court mm-hmm. well done united after this, we'll be more glum. As we round up today's podcast, something I probably should have said right at the start, although they're not any of our business 99% of the time, I think we should say congratulations to Celtic for winning the championship and congratulations and good luck to Rangers for the Europa League final next week. It's, it's a huge achievement. And guys, it is, a, it is a, a nice thing to see that there are two decent old fun teams. You would love to see other clubs in the SPL closer to them, but that's not their issue. And it's it's good to see a real battle for the, the honours at the top of the league. Yeah, you don't want a, a procession. We've had that too often. Generally when, when Rangers weren't around or were, were rebuilding, Celtic were very much on top. Although I have we're going into the last day of the SPFL, uh, the Premiership uh, season, with pretty much nothing to play for apart from United and Mullerwell in fourth place. That's disappointing. But it's incredible to see a Scottish team in a European final. I mean, obviously Rangers did it and Celtic did it this century, but you how far? You have to look to the 80s. The last one, Aberdeen and United. United, yeah. Aberdeen. So... It just shows you what what a huge uh, achievement it is just getting to the final. Not to mention some and some of it beating good teams too. Exactly, we're, we're talking about budgets and, and teams can beat with budgets in the Scottish League. The budgets between the, the Scottish League and the Bundesliga is, is night and day in terms of Dortmund and Leipzig. I mean Leipzig's. Budget, I can't even imagine what that, that would be. A lot of, Le- of fizzy juice, anyway. Leipzig are, I don't, want, I don't want to get sued, but Leipzig <laughs> are very unpopular in Germany because there's this thing yeah. about clubs are supposed to be fan-owned, and I think technically they are, but basically Red Bull say, well, let us do what we want to do, or our many millions of pounds yeah. aren't coming your way. So they, they, <laughs> yeah. they, they basically control that club, don't yeah, they? Yeah, they're, they're, they're a, a, new, a new club as well, effectively. Yeah. Uh, Red Bull bought them over and have Champions League semi-finalists, I think, two years ago. Aye. But I, I think in Germany, a lot of the neutral fans wanted Frankfurt to get through. None of them wanted Leipzig to get through. No. I think they were quite pleased to see a Frankfurt Rangers final. I think there's still that old East-West divide too. <laughs> Maybe. That was a spurious spur- <laughs> claim of whoever I was on. But going back, to, going back to our Bundesliga, are Rangers and Celtic going to be challenged by the mighty R Broth next season? I, I, I okay, think are R Broth going to be there? 
I, I, I think a Broth might have more chance against St Johnston than they do against Inverness. Weirdly, I think that matchup might work better. So getting it in a one game. Great result on Tuesday, well, nil nil in the first yeah. leg of Inverness. But I, I think if if, if Abroth can can see off Inverness, I think they've got a right good chance against St Johnston. I was a long way saying that final sense, but I got there and then. Uh, it's a long way of getting on the fence, George. <laughs> Maybe. Come on, Bear Allen. Who's going? Well, you're, you're right now, I must admit, I, I fancy St. Johnson of the three teams that will be, that are still involved in that playoff picture for the Premier League next year. Yeah, I I don't think it's been a good championship this year um, and I think St. Johnston will be better than whatever finalist we get from the championship uh, semi-final. Uh, I think they'll be better whether they'll win is a different thing. Well, yeah. I, I mean, St. Johnston yeah. we're talking about. Yeah. No, of course. I think St. Johnston, I, I just think I've got, you know, in the in the context of the Premiership, we've, they're clearly kind of toothless and they're not a particularly mm. good attacking side but in the context of facing Inverness or Abroath I think you look at people like Glenn Middleton Callum Hendry and I think they'll have too much in the final third they'll find a way to get the goals they need to to stay up um, I think Abroath's big chance was to win the league I'm not sure they can pick themselves up off the canvas and, and beat Inverness then even if they do then go on and beat St Johnson it's just such a tough task in general it's just it's such a tough task and for any championship mm. team to come up, that's that's the thing we always forget. We're discussing this purely in terms of who's the better well, team. Third, but you, third and f- oh no. but you can, but you, you third can, and fourth have never gone up. Yeah, so you can you can effectively um, you can discuss it just in terms of who should be the better team, which is also St Johnston. But you can discuss it in terms of who should be the fitter team, which should effectively be St Johnston as well, because um, Inverness particularly if it's Inverness, will have gone through a, a gruelling uh, process to get to that stage and even a broth will have faced a, a two-legged playoff against uh, Inverness to get there. So it's just it's such a tough task and I think St Johnston fundamentally should be too strong, too fit, too strong to, to get relegated. So you can take that to the bank that St Johnston will be in the championship <laughs> next year. <laughs> there, there is a gap. I think Dundee, yeah. Dundee, we've seen that with Dundee coming up through the playoffs that there is a sizable gap now between teams in the championship and teams in the premiership. But Bear is the, f- the fear for St. Johnson and part of the hope for Inverness are our growth that St. Johnson, by definition of their season, are fragile. Mm. And, and to, as well as Dundee did, looking back on the playoff final last year, once things went wrong for Kilmarnock, they were so fragile that they couldn't get them back or they couldn't get themselves back on track. Yeah, there is a similarity in that. I'll agree with that. I, 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 um, it goes that way. Um, I think I'm with George. I think uh, St Johnston's biggest threat is if our both go through. I've got a feeling that St Johnston and their supporters would rather not face Inverness for some strange reason. And I think it's just because of what Inverness have maybe done in the past. I think our both are still a perception that they're a small club. Mm. Regardless of what they've done this season, regardless of Kilmarnock just pipped them to the title. And I think if Arbor do get through, and I hope they do get through, then, I, you know, St. Johnston may just take their eye off the ball and, and think that we've got this in the can. And they don't. Arbor, so, you watch them, they give you nothing. Absolutely. Mm. And it's, it's a Dick Campbell mantra. You get nothing cheap against Arbor. And they've got one or two useful players. But again, St. Johnston this weekend will have effectively a free weekend and they'll be able to rest guys for this, yeah. these two games coming up. And you just wonder if Arbor have got their legs to get themselves through and then to go through another 180 minutes against a premiership side um, and get over the line. I don't know. I, I still got a feeling that St. Johnson will have too much. But I think, um, you know, hopefully it's our growth and it'll be an interesting two games. It'll be a good, mm-hmm. a, 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 a good playoff to watch, yeah, that's for sure. Final word to you, George, from a selfish point of view. As Dundee correspondent, do you want Saints in the Premier League next year? Because it gives Dundee a better chance of an immediate return. From a Dundee point of view, yeah, that probably is the best best bet because the Championship, as we've spoken about, isn't going to be the strongest next season. If Queen of the South aren't in, it's always going to be weak. It's just worth the point. <laughs> they're not there. Um, and St Johnson do have money in the bank as well. We shouldn't forget that from their big player sales 
uh, last season and winning and prudent cups. management over many many yeah. years under the Brown family. So yeah, from a Dundee point of view, I think they'd quite I'll, like incidentally, to see although still. I live in Perthshire, they I'm I'm one of the few they didn't build in my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from a Dundee point of view, they'd they'd want St Johnson to stay up. But from a romantics point of view, you want up both to go. Yes, what a story. I said finally, George, but anyone, even if Arbroath were to reach the final and lose, it's an unbelievable season, isn't it? Yeah. Even the season they've had is unbelievable. Yeah, I, I think we do them a disservice. It's an unbelievable kill. season because it's been built on the back of three or four years' hard work right. where they've come from and they've become an incredibly solid unit. It's not, just, it's not based on one or two players. It's based on the entire team functioning properly. And that, that goes back to Dick Campbell and his coaching staff have done a fantastic job there. And, that, and that's why, you know, they are where they are and rightly so. And I wish, just wish people would give them the respect. That's not we are both. That's our both who are within touching distance of this hmm. premier, premiership. Yep. Well, I think Bear maybe just finished with a dig at me, so I'm off in the huff chaps. <laughs> Thanks very much. That was great stuff. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Tilly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tannadice, or go to thetilly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door.